Hello and welcome to Making Movements, the first ever episode that we've done face-to-face of this podcast with Jess Thompson, who's sitting opposite me, looking at me right now. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jack. Great to be here. So me and Jess are actually very old friends, actually quite scarily old friends now, almost two decades. But... Before we start, I thought I'd give her a chance to introduce herself. So over to you, Jess. Hi there, I'm Jess Thompson. Uh, I am a violinist, runner, poet, uh, dancer. Um, (laughs) I'm also the founder and CEO of a social enterprise called My Grateful where refugees and asylum seekers from around the world teach their traditional cuisines to paying customers in cookery classes. So that's, that's a little insight of, of where you're at now, but you've brought five songs with you. So shall we, shall we dive in? Do yeah, one? let's do it. that don't know that was Shake Your Body by Shy FX an anthem what made you pick that one? 
I was thinking, what is the best song to take me back to my Bristol roots? And that is quite a nostalgic tune because it reminds me of all the fun that we had growing up. Um, first started going out clubbing to drum and bass, age 13. Um, Bristol's obviously the city where drum and bass and dubstep was born. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a lot of fun that we had dancing. Uh, I think those were very bonding times for all of our friends. Uh, all of us are still very good friends now, 20 years later. And I think that's partly because of all those years of fun that we had together. I think kind of being brought up with dancing and fun times being like a key part of your your routine is is only been a positive thing for, for all of us. Yeah, that's kind of partly what this podcast is about, I think. Making the connection between having fun, doing having really life affirming moments, even if it is you being a thirteen year old in a club that you shouldn't be in, raving to drum and bass. <laughs> Actually it does link link up to you being the person you are today and doing what you're doing. And I guess there's an element of what my grateful is, which is all about creating those moments where you come together and have a nice time. Definitely. Yeah, a lot of what the My Grateful events are about is bringing together people to like share a moment of community and belonging. And we do often, well, we always play the music from the chef's um, native country. And that's quite a nice talking point. Lola, Cuban chef, always gets everyone doing salsa dancing. Um, so it's not only about sharing the food, but also about the music and the dance. So... How did you go from a 13-year-old raver down in Bristol? What was your what was your next step towards becoming social entrepreneur? Well, I guess in terms of like the my grateful story, um, I after uni I got a, a place with the British Council as an English language teaching assistant, and I asked to be placed in Andalusia in the south of Spain because I heard that was a really great place to live and I got put in a Spanish enclave in North Morocco called Ceuta which I'd never heard of before. All the Spaniards I spoke to said it was a very strange place because it's all like uh, military, uh, very right-wing families, big Franco supporters and it's a military base for Spain to have an influence in Africa. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect, but I got there and it was very interesting because it's 50% Arab population, 50% uh, Spanish population and quite an interesting mix of cultures. And the big thing that I discovered was that it was one of the kind of the gateway to Europe for most sub-Saharan Africans that are trying to um, find a better life in Europe. And it has a huge fence around it, which is trying to stop those migrants enter Europe. Uh, and every few weeks, about 300 of the sub-Saharan Africans would gather together in the Moroccan border and storm this huge fence. And around half of them would get over. And they then get held there for around six months. Um, so there was lots of NGOs that were trying to support those migrants that had been detained there. 
and they were all Spanish speaking. Most of the sub-Saharan Africans were French speaking. I'd just done a French and Spanish degree. So I was in my element running all these workshops and and just learned so much about the stories of these people that were trying to seek a better life in Europe. Uh, and just felt very moved to try and support them um, and really got to learn about the scale of the refugee crisis. Um, so that was my first kind of feeling of I really want to do more to help. Um, I then went to Dunkirk refugee camp and was supporting families that were living in these horrible slum conditions uh, in one of the richest countries in the world had been forced to flee their countries because of war and just weren't able to find ways to really set up a life in the UK or France. Um, and I felt very angry about that because I feel like it's very much this crisis made by policies um, which aren't protecting vulnerable people that are, have been forced to leave their homes. I did this course called the Year Here Fellowship where you pilot uh, different business ideas on the front line with the group that you're trying to support through a business idea. Uh, I was working with refugee women in East London uh, and all of them said to me, you know, I would be really happy to teach my traditional cuisine because that's something that I feel very confident about. So the idea really came from them that this could be a way to get them into work. Uh, these were all women that were highly qualified. They'd been forced to leave their careers back in all sorts of different countries and had arrived in the UK and were unemployed, despite being very qualified, normally because their qualifications weren't recognised and because of language barriers. Um, so that was kind of the issue that my grateful set out to address, was trying to find a way to help these women get into employment, but also to practise their English, get out of social isolation by meeting people. Um, and since then, we've now ran over 1,500 cookery classes with over 18,000 participants. Uh, we've currently got 42 chefs from all over the world, from 25 different countries. Um, yeah, so that that's where we are today. I love the, the, the story about being in Ceuta because I was lucky enough to go and stay with you as you know so I got got the train from kind of across Spain then got the ferry onto this little tip right at the very top of Africa and I remember staying at yours and kind of looking out across the sea and seeing a sunset and being like wow this is actually I'm actually in Africa it's the first and only time I've ever been quite a quite an idyllic you you had an apartment kind of overlooking the beach you had this nice sunsets but actually you, you quite quickly picked up on like this is quite a strange very divided very unequal world mm. in here and it wasn't just like oh this is you know this is holiday paradise it's also like mm, there's something quite uncomfortable about this having massive fences with barbed wire kind of at all, the, all these beauty spots to stop mm. people getting across and the fact that it's, you you know, you're essentially in Morocco, but everyone is speaking Spanish. Yeah. There's a, a lot of the sub-Saharan African migrants would come over on boats to try and enter Seita that way. Normally wait till the sea is very rough so that they can't be seen by the coast guards. 
and it means that lots of them would die coming over that way. So we're often going to funerals of men that we couldn't identify their bodies, um, so we could never tell their families what happened to them. So yeah, it was pretty heavy stuff. So how does that link into the, the second song you picked? The Lobster. So I chose The Lobster because it kind of links to the musical side of my family, um, which is my, my dad's Irish family. Uh, so every Christmas, all of the, the grandchildren were always asked to perform something in the sort of the family concert. Um, all of us played an instrument, uh, well, still do, so I play the violin. Um, and when I was younger, I used to find it quite annoying that my dad used to force me to practice the violin. Yeah. But now I'm actually really grateful for it because it's an amazing thing to be able to have travel and live in different places in the world and always have your instrument as a way to connect with people. Uh, and I think particularly Irish music has this very heartwarming effect and this song, uh, yeah, just always leaves me with a very warm feeling.
a very abrupt vibe change from song one. <laughs> I think it probably shows how your your taste has matured a bit as you've got older, <laughs> mellowed out. Um, and I know the next song that you're going to pick is another vibe change, but but it paints a really nice picture how you you've gone from from each of these. So tell us about the next song that you've picked and why. Mm. Um, so the next song reminds me of uh, the four months that I spent in Senegal when I was 18 years old. Uh, and I think that there's no other experience in my life which was quite so life-changing as that period. I think because of that age where uh, you're becoming an adult for the first time and I decided to go to Senegal on my own. Uh, and I just remember the moment of my dad waving me goodbye uh, to go on the plane by myself. And I just felt completely terrified. Like, what the hell am I doing? I've no idea what it's gonna be like when I arrive. Um, and when I arrived, it was very chaotic. I remember I got out at the airport and there was about 30 different Senegalese taxi drivers all shouting at me, this small little white girl that was pretty terrified. Um, and I guess all the culture shock that went with that. I mean, I've been traveled a lot since then, but nothing will ever be quite as sort of huge and yeah, just such an unknown world. Um, and it was the first time that I had to do all these things on my own and find somewhere to live and learn a language. And um, yeah, it's kind of like the classic cliche of your gap here where you go find yourself. Um, but I think, um, yeah, it taught me a lot, that experience. And also Senegal is just an amazing place. Like the people are so friendly, the music's so beautiful. Um, so have a lot of love for that country. Mm. Yeah, I remember you coming back from it and just absolutely buzzing off the different way that people are to each other. And the, I always remember the thing you said about how when you go and meet someone in the street or you bump into someone, you ask, how, how are you? Over and over again in different ways to, <laughs> to get to the truth. Yeah, Nagadef, is... Nagadef means how are you doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sick. And then, yeah, how's the family? How's the dog? How's the house? How's the chicken? How? <laughs> There's just a huge checklist. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Amadou and Mariam, and the song's called Senegal Fast Food.
I think also my experience of being able to travel and get to know these incredible new places and then come back to my very privileged life with my family and friends. Um, it was only when I then met the sub-Saharan African migrants in Seita that I realised what a privilege it was to be able to travel in this way um, and that a lot of these guys were trying to do a very brave thing of you know, going to a totally unknown new culture and country to try and earn some money to send back to their families that were very poor um, and were just finding it so hard to do this because they couldn't get the immigration status and all these like very complex obstacles and I thought of my own situation of being able to just um, go and travel in that way and I think that was one of my personal motivations for wanting to support migrants trying to rebuild their lives in, in the UK because of my own experience. Um, and one particular memory really stayed with me was uh, when I lived in Mexico for a year my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer um, and my parents paid for me to come home and I was able to say goodbye to her for the last time which really meant so much to me at the time and later uh, when I was teaching a, a, a guy from Cameroon in Ceuta um, he told me that his brother was very ill um, and he knew that there was no way that he could go back um, to say goodbye to his brother um, and again it was just this reminder of what a privileged relationship I have with home that you know, I'll always be able to get back to that safe space. Um, yeah, which links to the next song, which is uh, the song that my housemate, when I was living in Mexico, I lived with six Mexican students who were extremely lively, vibrant people that loved dancing and also loved playing very loud salsa music at 7am as their way to wake up. Um, so I, <laughs> this was quite hard to get used to at the beginning, um, but after a while I started to really enjoy it because it's you can't not help but feel very happy listening to this music. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed just the, the dance culture in Mexico. Of you go out and you just spin people around and constantly dancing uh, was so lovely and something that our Cuban chef Lola brings to all of our cookery classes where she gets everyone up and salsa dancing. She does. Um, I've met Lola <laughs> twice and she's amazing. Um, she has so much energy and just she completely lights up the room. It's very cheeky, bosses everyone around, completely takes over as like the matriarch and <laughs> just everyone just has so much fun. She is also 74 years old, she's but you would never guess. Has so much energy. Mm. Yeah, she's amazing. Okay, so suavemente. Yeah, besame. Softly kiss me. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Suavemente, besame. Que quiero sentir tus labios besándome otra vez. Suavemente, besame. Que quiero sentir tus labios besándome otra vez. Suave, besame, besame.
Drum and bass, some Irish folk, some Senegalese music, then we went over to Mexico, and the final track is Nina Simone, which is very exciting because I love her. I think most people do. So where does this final track come in? So this song meant a lot to me, particularly last year, uh, it was just as the, the global pandemic was kicking off and the UK went into its first lockdown and had to cancel all of the migrate for cookery classes. So our income stream dried up overnight. Um, and at the very same time, my very beloved grandfather was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, so, yeah, I just had this feeling of, wow, everything has changed so quickly and that's a really scary thing. Everything feels really out of control. Um, and I think this song is just a, a very calming and soothing message of everything must change. And accepting that means that you can feel less scared in those moments. Um, and at that time, I was calling some of the My Grateful Chefs um, just to see how they were doing. And they really helped me through that time because... For example, our Syrian chef, Majeda said, you know, I remember when the, the war in Syria first broke out and you know, I all the houses were being bombed, I lost my job, I had to flee my country um, and I lost everything and everything changed so quickly. And you know, I was amazed that humans have such an amazing ability to just adapt when things change like that. And I think her story was just, such a wake-up call, put everything in perspective um, and just thinking about what she'd gone through in terms of this journey of being forced to lose everything and then rebuild your life. And it's true that 
humans are very good at dealing with change and we constantly go through change so we just have to embrace that mm. yeah a good reminder of the big picture before we listen to that song i'm going to ask you the, the final question that we ask all our guests who inspires you I mean, probably linking on from what I was saying, I think the the My Grateful Chefs, I find incredibly inspiring people just because their resilience touches new heights. Um, so to give an example, like one of our, our Nigerian chefs uh, was trafficked to the UK when she was 16, 19 years later, still didn't have her right to work, her right to be like a legal citizen in this country. Uh, she experienced lots of difficult like health issues through that time, um, but still stayed so, so strong. Um, and the stories like that all the time I see with the My Grateful Chefs of just this incredible resilience to keep going um, and even to be strong enough to leave your country and flee danger and you know come to seek safety in a new country is a very brave thing to do. And, Every day I feel very inspired by them. Yeah, and that's something that comes through, I think, when you when you go to a class. You meet the chefs and they have a gravitas because they have a story which is really puts things into perspective. Mm. Jess, my friend and also our VIP guest today, thanks so much for coming on Making Movements and sharing all your worldly musical choices and your story of how you got from 13-year-old raver to to who you are now. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Anything else you want to say? Um, if any of you listeners haven't attended a My Grateful Cookery class already, you can go to our website, mygrateful.org, and choose from a whole range of cuisines. Uh, and it's a really great way to support the refugees we work with. Um, to integrate in this country and you'll also have a great time learning some delicious new recipes so yeah agreed enjoy do it <laughs> thanks jess thank you bye. bye everything's changed nothing
clouds Sunlight from the sky And hummingbirds do Every 